see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Virgin Valley Artists Association welcomes you to the Art Box. Recorded in beautiful Virgin Valley, Nevada, and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Our association has something for everyone. Come and get creative with us at 15 West Mesquite Boulevard, Mesquite, Nevada, and find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com. Hosting today's episode is Rochelle Knight and Steve Dudrow. Let's go have some fun. Welcome to this episode of The Art Box. How you doing, Rochelle? Nice to have you back. Oh, it's nice to be back. Today we have Floyd Johnson with us. Glad to be here. Floyd, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm an artist. How's that for an intro? <laughs> well, I think Perfect. you're a, you're a heck of an artist. Yes, very well-known artist. Well, it's just that I, uh, I was brought up in art with having two older brothers that always liked to draw, so I literally was brought up with the pencil in my hand and always liked to draw. And when they both became artists, it was no big deal. You grow up and you become an artist, and I never knew any better. So, <laughs> so I've been stuck with it all my life. How much older were they? Uh, my one brother was five years older, and the other one was 15 years older. Oh, wow, so he kind of paved the way. Yeah, completely. Yeah, that's yeah. nice when you follow and, and... And when they both became professional artists, then I just I just knew that that was what I should do, and I just enthusiastically wanted to do. I, there wasn't there wasn't any doubt about anything anything else about wanting to do it, and I've been trying to learn ever since. <laughs> I think that's great. I think so many people come to art later in life, and there's very few. If you look at the community that we're in, it doesn't seem like there's very many people. I don't know. Maybe I don't even know any besides you that have had art as your career, and I think that's pretty amazing. It, it's quite a different path in that in starting out doing fine art paintings, you know, fine art and quotes was the farthest thing in my mind. I, I just like, we like to do cartoons, you know, and, and have fun with art, and we did cartoons for the, the school newspapers, and, and, uh, and then after that, it was the question going into commercial art. And so I went to the University of Minnesota for two years, and they told me right off, they said, well, we don't, we don't teach you people to become commercial artists here. But I wanted to take as many art courses as I could. And so I did that, and when I got out, after two, two years, I ran out of money. <laughs> it was just a question on applying for a job, and I got a job with a packaging company, designing packages of all sorts of things, food, different products and all. And learning that part of commercial art was was fascinating. And it, it, I learned more in the first few weeks in, in that art job than I did in two years at the university <laughs> as far as actual art. Right. And yet the training at, at the university was, was great too. I guess going on with the career, after, after the, the years in packaging, then my brother and I decided that we always liked cartooning, 
So the two of us decided to move to New York City. And at the time, magazines that were very well uh, populated with additions to gag cartoons within their magazines. New York City had this routine of every Wednesday, artists could come in to these magazines and talk directly to the editors, the cartoon editor or the editor of the magazine, and show their work and give their pitch for cartoons. And then this was this was known as the Wednesday Rounds in New York. And we thought that would be an exciting thing to be doing. And we did it for two years. <laughs> so basically, you were freelance. You weren't employed by a specific magazine. Well, I became an official freelancer because of another circumstance. In between those Wednesdays, I decided to make the rounds in on Manhattan with just going through the yellow pages, and I looked up uh, cartoon agencies, and there was one. <laughs> and so I went there, and you know, here I was like 20, 22 years old, and going into there and with, with my little Minnesota portfolio, <laughs> and I showed the cartoons, and surprisingly, they just said, well, he says, they're, they're kind of, you know, but they said, we don't, we don't have a full-time staff, we work with freelancers. And I didn't even really know for sure what a freelancer was, but I said, we can provide you with a desk here. And if we have work for you, we'll feed it. We'll feed this for you and then we'll pay you for that. And if we don't have work for you, you can come in here and use the desk free and have your freedom for going wherever you want to do. So I thought, well, that would be a un I never expected it was going to influence the rest of my life, but it did. And then to have that freedom to go out and pound the pavement of of the other advertising agencies and and uh, so it wasn't just cartooning but then it was freelancing and then to get that experience was just uh, fantastic and you had a free office completely a fleece to free so, desk <laughs> yeah so i would take the subway in every every day i treated it like a, a regular job five days a week to go in but when i came in there uh no guarantee of what i would be doing but you know they paid well for the the work they did did give me, and then I would have the the luxury of my own time to browse around town. But again, painting was was the farthest thing from my mind at the time. It was just the commercial art. But then after two years, I moved back to Minnesota, and then I continued the the free. I, I liked the freelance world so much. I continued on with that. And it wasn't until I had my eye eye problems in nineteen. Uh, 74, where I couldn't do the commercial art anymore. And then what had been, what developed into a hobby is painting. Then I just kind of took to that full time. It wasn't an easy transition. Sorry. But uh, that was kind of the routine. And that's what, uh, that's what influenced the second half of my life. <laughs> on the commercial art, my understanding currently of commercial art would be everything done on the computer. And drawing and everything like that. What, what did, how did that work when you it, it first was started? Just, it was the question of doing whatever the other person wanted to have done. Mm -hmm. If it was coming up with a brochure or, or doing lettering or designing a package or uh, preparing a, 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 the visual for something to be on television. Would you, I, I never knew what to, what to what, I would have to be prepared for everything. <laughs> oh, wow. 
And then when you were doing the cartoons as freelance, how was the competition? So you said you had the Wednesdays that you would go around. Was it was it pretty hard with the competition out there? Oh yeah, because because the New York artists they had their their whole cartoon the best cartoonists in the world were mm-hmm. living there at the time. But it, that was part of the fascination of it. Right. To be able to, to do that and to make an occasional sale was was good. It was hardly enough to live on, but it was fascinating. Well, and you probably learned a lot from other artists. Did you get Com- to see their work when you... Completely. Yeah. And working at this advertising agency, this this one time, the uh, the owner of this uh, the, uh, the agency where I was freelancing asked if I'd want to attend a meeting of the uh, National Cartoonist Society. They had a chapter out of New York City, and I, that'd be fantastic. I said, could I bring my brother? So we did, and, and we went to there, and there we, we had a, a, a genuine luncheon with, with the top cartoonists of the country. Wow, and, unlucky. Uh, and like, uh, like Dick Brown, who was Hagar the Horrible and High and Lois, when he introduced us to the group, he said, well, here now, today we have a couple of guests here. We have uh, Floyd Johnson and Cliff Johnson from Minnesota. He says, Johnson and Johnson, the Band-Aid boys. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 you know, they, they were all such great guys, and, and to, to, to be a part of the group was, was just really special. Yeah, wow. Well, and I would think that it would be a fun group of people to be around because they would probably have a great sense of humor. Absolutely. As that well was, as, t- you know, talented That was a lot of artists. fun. And, and my brother, Cliff, had had the great experience of sitting next to uh, Hal Foster, who was the the artist. I, I can't say cartoonist, but the 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 fine artist who did Prince Valiant. Who was one of you know just the, the fantastic. And my brother Cliff had the uh, experience of he said, well, I sat right next to Hal Foster. And I had a personal conversation with him. I asked him, could you pass the salt, please? <laughs> so, so, so we had a hit to talk firsthand with the, with the big guys. <laughs> if, if, I, if my memory serves me correctly, Prince Valiant was color? Yeah, full, full page. Uh, for the Sunday paper, they would have the, the, all the other comic strips were you know, partial page, one-third or at most one-half. But Prince Valiant always had a full page. Full, full page, full color, and they were magnificent illustrations. He, he was a fantastic artist. Yeah, I think I remember that. I think I my remember. mom was a fan. I was going to say, I think my dad read every week. Yeah. And that was such a great day, Sunday, lay on the floor with the, yeah. and they were so beautiful to open it up and see all those colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was it. That, I remember that. I remember Garfield. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, all, all three of us Johnson <laughs> yeah. boys made our, our pitches to, to the syndicates for, for having a uh, an image, whether it be a single panel or a, a comic strip, and uh, we always tried. And you know, it was such a limited opportunity every year for these syndicates to take on new new strips. So uh, we were never accepted, but we all we always liked cartooning. So now, did you, speaking of you know cartoon strips, did you have certain characters that you would mm-hmm. that you follow? You know, had a story for, or were they mostly single panels that well, were just about all, one subject? All three of us tried. Both approaches. So know. tell us about one that you did where you have competing characters. I, I did one because Beetle Bailey was popular at the time. So I thought, well, if they got this for the for a uh, an army guy, well, why not do one for the? I was in the Naval Reserve for eight years, so so I had I came up with a character who was who was a a little little short guy, 
like me, <laughs> and uh, just following his escapades as a sailor, as opposed to Beetle Bailey being the, the low, low guy on the army, army, army totem pole. I was a little guy in the Navy. So. Oh, I love that idea. Yeah. I had a lot of experience shipping paint <laughs> and swapping decks. So. <laughs> Again, that was the, the great experience for, for being the freelancer. But again, I think it's kind of important for us to kind of make the trans, make kind of a fast transition, going back to Minnesota, and then after my, my eye problems and, and taking up art, was that once I, once I started to realize the self-satisfaction of creating my own work for me, rather than commercial art, exactly what somebody else wanted to have done, there was just no comparison for the, the, uh, the self, self-fulfillment sounds kind of overly dramatic, but that's what it came down to. Like for the, when I uh, started out for having an outdoor, in fact, we were talking about outdoor art fairs, and when I first started out, that's what I did. I, I had a, uh, uh, there was a, about a 12 square block area in Minneapolis where they would have uh, the artists having their, their rental space outdoors to show their work to the public coming by. And so I gave that a try. And, and to put up my own work that I did for myself to show other people, it, and, and uh, they were seeing it cold for the first time, and, and to get their response, that just meant everything. The responses weren't always what I would have hoped for, but it, it was honest. And like the one time that I that I uh, that I think of, I think this was the very first time that I was showing, and it was on this mall uh, with the tree lined, and I had my exhibit with uh, it was a walk around exhibit of a of a pegboard with the with my art on both sides of the board, and so I I kind of sat back and waited for the people to come along and I stayed a few feet away from the exhibit to, to let them have their freedom and this couple was coming across and they looked pretty prosperous and I think they even had a, a painting under their arm that they had bought and so I sat back there and looked at them and they both looked at one side of the display that I had and uh, the, the, and I said hey this is has prospects and then, then the, the man went around to the other side and then I said, I better make an approach or see if I can give a sales pitch. So I started to approach, and then the, the lady said, uh, what do you see over there, honey? And he said, no, nothing good on this side either. <laughs> oh, no. And they moved on. So, so I didn't make a sale there. So. <laughs> but, you know, but I got an honest appraisal. So. <laughs> but that was only their opinion. Exactly, and that, but it, it was an honest opinion. So. <laughs> so, were you at this stage in your career where that kind of just rolled off, or, or did you think that affected it? I think it encouraged me. Did it? Okay. Yeah, because I, I didn't, if I remember correctly, I didn't have a single painting done. They were all drawings, some cartoons. I did drawings of uh, some landscape and some of uh, the Nordic Vikings and. Sports-wise, the Minnesota Vikings and the Minnesota Twins, and uh, I found that they they kind of struck home. And then I just started to do my my first paintings when I was in my my mid thirties. I started out with oil painting, and then the smell didn't 
hit very well with me. So when I found out about acrylic paintings, I switched into that. And so I haven't done any paintings other than with acrylics really since 1965. Rochelle's over here beaming. I know. Well, and I'm curious how, how much they've changed since then. Because they, I think they were... They started to come about in the 50s, is that right? I think that's when they were first developed. Right, and yeah. I'm sure in there's there's been a lot of changes since mm -hmm. then. In fact, in my first art job with this packaging company, we would have certain designs that would have to be done on cellophane. And, and you, you couldn't use tempera paint on, on cellophane because they would crack. But you could use this newfound thing called acrylic paint and paint directly on cellophane, which worked out nice for, for putting wrapping uh, mock-up packages uh -huh. with the designs on paint. So I, I had a touch of acrylic paint, but that was just by by painting raisin bread <laughs> <laughs> instead, of, instead of commercial art. So, so I haven't I haven't sold many raisin bread paintings. So <laughs> so when you were developing that, you had to paint on the cellophane. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh my gosh. That and would so, be so it, hard. It, 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 but you know, I had never been trained in that. But so I was learning on the job and. It, to, to see the the adherence of of, of uh, acrylic paint was was certainly fascinating, and it, it's been a, a learning experience every ever since then. Wow, that's great. Do you have opinions as far as oil painting versus acrylic? Well, just that I I just admire anybody that can handle oil painting. It, it, it's so different for being able to to mix the paintings and to have the luxury of time while yes. you're mixing it on the canvas. Yes. In acrylic painting, you can't do that. You have to have almost predetermined what you're going to be doing and get it done in, in the next five minutes exactly. or it's going to be too late. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but Which is fascinating in itself for the, uh, the charm and the challenge and then you just accept that as being the routine. So I, I, don't, uh, I don't regret not sticking with oils because I've been stuck with acrylics now for so long now. Right, we get used to it. A little, little too late to change. Right, well, and I think there's definitely benefits uh, with acrylics as far as, the, you know, the drying time is a, is a curse and I think a blessing as far as, you know, if I mess up, I only have to wait five minutes and I can redo <laughs> it. Or yeah. oil painting, I've heard people saying, well, they have to take a palette knife and scrape it off, you know, if they've made too big of a mistake. Mm -hmm. Oh, how crushing would that be? Although I am always jealous when you see a beautiful blend oh. on an oil painting. It's fantastic. And yes. it, it's like the, the total admiration that I have for watercolors because I, I could never do watercolor as well. And, and it was, I gave up on the frustration of trying years ago because I just sit back and admire those that can handle it well. Yes. And I just accept the fact that I can't. Yes. Well, it's a different mindset. I think you have to plan out where your highlights are. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it's not in, completely in your control, or at least when I've tried watercolor, it seems that it kind of goes where it wants to. Where acrylic, I feel like I have so much control. And it's kind of nice to have true admiration for a media that I know that I can't do well right. and to look at it and, and it makes me appreciate it all the more. Yeah. So, yes. Okay, want to tell us about your, I, I see a tour of Europe. Is that immediately upon leaving New York or? Well, that came in exactly between Minneapolis and the move to New York. Oh, okay. my, my brother and I took two months off to tour Europe and then after Europe, 
our return trip to America was to New York City. Oh, okay. And so we settled in there uh, right after that. So that was the, the major break from Minneapolis to to take this uh, this two-month break to uh, experience that part of life. And speaking of being exposed to another part of the world, to go to the, uh, the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam was just absolutely one of the biggest thrills of my life. And, and I hadn't been doing painting at that time, but just to be exposed to seeing the live art of that had a great influence on on me and, and anybody who would happen to see that. So, yeah, I've been there. I've been to Amsterdam twice, and both times I've spent in the Van Gogh Museum. Yeah, very easily done. I also know that you had a one-man exhibition in Norway. That didn't have to do anything. That, that was much later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was, uh, I had done a, a series of works in Minneapolis, and then this this one, uh, it's kind of a complicated series here because I, I was having my, my vision problem and I was, uh, I was legally blind at the time and I became a member of the Ski for Light program, which was uh, where they would have cross-country skiing with a, a blind or a semi-blind person skiing with a, a blind guide over, over a cross-country ski trail. Kind of a long way to get around to this, but my guide happened to be a skier from Norway. We ended up winning the, the tournament, and we became close, and then he said, how would you like to have an exhibit in Norway? And he said, I, I'm associated with the, best, the uh, Stavanger Art Exhibit, Art Museum in, in Norway, and he said, uh, I'll see if I can arrange it. And so... <laughs> Sure enough, I had a one-man show in Stavanger, Norway, <laughs> and I think this was 1980s, 86 or 87, and so that was a, a fantastic experience. And right. That was serendipity. Yeah. <laughs> got paired with him. Have a chance to show my my my, my other my other Viking life, right. <laughs> my heritage Vikings. Rather there you than, go. Yeah. Yeah. So. How about your? I, I see in. Being an ex-hockey player and referee, I see that you have something displayed in the National Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah, that was after I, I had started up my art gallery in, uh, in downtown Minneapolis. I, I had done this, uh, this one painting of the North Stars. And the North Stars, now there's a name to remember. Yeah, that, that was before they, they left town and moved to Dallas. <laughs> yes. I, I, I don't remember how this happened. I, I had the, the hockey painting of, of the North Stars team on display, and I think it was just a question of this, this fellow just came in this one day and asked me about the painting, not thinking, but it turns out he was a member of the North Stars, that he, he was interested in it, and then he said, I should put you in touch with the, uh, uh, with the, uh, the Hall of Fame. Uh, that was in northern Minnesota. I'm not even sure what city. I, I think it might be Bemidji or Brainerd. And uh, and so and, they, and and nobody else knows Bemidji and Brainerd <laughs> except hockey fans. Well, and Paul Bunyan's. And Paul Bunyan, yeah. yes. <laughs> then it, the fellow from the, the the Hall of Fame came down to see the painting, and then he he wanted to buy the painting and then put it up into the. Hall of Fame. 
museum. Which is, oh, I was completely surprised and honored by that honor <laughs> to have that uh, have my painting represented up there. Well, that is an honor. I noticed on your biography that you were featured on 60 Minutes, which, my gosh, I can't think of a better honor. Well, they didn't interview me on That was a question on the... Uh, they were, they were, I got a surprise, I was sitting at my, uh, my desk at the, at the gallery, and I got a call from, from New York City saying from 60 Minutes, and are they going to do an expose on me somehow? Yeah, when Mike Wallace shows up at the, <laughs> so, but they, like, no. They said they were going to be doing a, a, a segment of the Vikings living on Greenland, and, and they understood that I had done some paintings of the Vikings and specifically on Greenland it turns out I did have and I don't know how I don't remember how they they tracked me down on that but they they did find it out and uh, they asked if they if they could use some of my painted images on their show and I said well certainly they said well we can't pay it pay you for it but uh, we'll give you the acknowledgement and the credit for it and so they, they used uh, three of my painting images of the, the Vikings sailing towards Greenland and then while they were on Greenland. Turns out they did use, they did use it on their show, but they used it on the same Sunday as Super Bowl. So you missed it. I'm the only person that probably saw it <laughs> in America. But it was still nice to have the honor of being on the show. So. Oh, yeah, what a wonderful honor. Well, I wonder if you could, just while we were talking, I was thinking, I wonder if we could Google 60 Minutes with your name and see if, you know, if, if uh, it's on there somewhere. Supposedly, or, it should be. Yeah, it should. I, I don't remember what the segment was called, but it was something like... Uh, the Viking settlement in, in Greenland. And, uh, I will look it up. Yeah. Now, the one thing you said there, and it seems to be a recurring theme for artists, photographers, I know Rochelle, I know Randy would talk about this, is we want to use your art, but we can't pay you for it. <laughs> That's all too common. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're going to sell commercials for the segment, uh, well, and we're going to make money, <laughs> but we can't pay you for it. And uh, the Minnesota Vikings football team did the, used the same line on me. Uh, they had seen some of my, some of my Viking paintings, the, uh, the Nordic Vikings, and they asked if, if I could do a painting for their, their home office. And... Uh, and I said, well, sure. So I, I did one, and they say, well, uh, you know, we can't. We're only the Minnesota Vikings football team, the <laughs> right. National Football League. So we can't pay you much for this, but we sure would like to have it done. So just the honor of, of having it in their office meant a lot. So, sure. so, so I think that is a balance that, I, that I've found is it is such an honor, and it gets your art out there. It feels great to have something wanted like that. But then on the other side, it's like, well, Especially you, you're making a living doing this. And I think that's a hard compromise you have to make of, is it worth it to, to get my art out there, even though I'm not getting paid? I well, think. I guess as you know, Rochelle, well, and you too, Steve, you're, we're doing the work for ourselves first sure. and foremost. Yes. And if we're satisfied with what we've done and somebody else can relate to it in any way, that means an awful lot, right, it <laughs> and uh, it it would sure be nice to have, have had the uh, the odal the uh, recognition, you know, from from uh, from sidewalk to stardom. Sorry, <laughs> but that 
it, it's not likely to happen, it's not going to happen, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't still like doing our artwork. <laughs> right. Well, and especially this one sounds like it was very personal because you were into the team and everything. So I think it makes it even better when someone asks you to do something if it's, if it's in the line mm -hmm. of something that you're passionate yeah. about. And it did lead to, a, a, I did a commission painting of uh, one of the Viking quarterbacks. Uh, it was Bob Lee. He, he was both the, the starting quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons, and then he became the starting quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. So he contacted me, so I did a painting of, half of the painting was him in a Atlanta Falcons uniform, and half of him in, in a uh, Minnesota Vikings uniform. So, so that was a great honor too, so. Oh, that's oh, cool. Yeah. So he couldn't pay me much either, so. <laughs> <laughs> but that Seems was okay. there's a theme there. <laughs> well, if it had been Fran Tarkington, maybe he could have paid you something. Well, I, I did a, a few paintings and drawings of him from I, the art shows that I went to, and they always, they were easy, easy sales. Oh, were they? <laughs> because okay. Because they were, he was such a, such a fun guy to be watching for all those years, and I was a season ticket holder for the Minnesota Vikings uh, games, and out at old uh, Met Stadium, you know, out there in the cold in January watching in championship games. <laughs> so that's a true fan. Yes, so. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, a big part of your life, the course of your life has probably been changed, especially your career with your eye problems. And so I just wanted to talk to, to you about the challenges. I didn't realize it was so long ago that you said you started having eye problems in the 70s. And how did you have to change what you, your process of creating art because of that? Well, quite substantially. Actually, I had my, my first detached retina when I was 20 years old oh, wow. on my left eye. In, as a result of that surgery, I lost part of my vision on my left eye, but I still had my good right eye with 20-20 vision up until 1974. And then I had a, a detached retina in my right eye, and then I became blind in my right eye. And so then I'm, so since 1974, I've been living with uh, limited eyesight in one eye. And you're so an artist. It's just a question on adapting. And, sure. And it, as, as the vision slips, I, I just keep using the magnifying glass more and more and all on, on my painting, which is a little bit awkward, but I'm still thankful I can. Oh, yeah, that you can do still, it. Still keep plugging along. Right. And creating beautiful works. <laughs> well, that's, that's nice of you to say, but uh, I, I, it's like the, that couple that visited me at the at my first art showing at the at the uh, uh, at the art fair. You know, people have their own opinion. An honest an honest appraisal is, is not always first forthcoming. But I thank you for the comment anyway. So. Well, and I, I think the awards that you get attest to just how amazing your art is. To have to have the Mesquite Art Gallery has just meant everything for me. To to have. Uh, a guaranteed spot to show the work. Sure. I lived at Lake Tahoe for 22 years, and I had a beautiful area for doing the painting, but no place to show the work. And so I, I turned out very few pieces of art in Lake Tahoe. A beautiful setting, beautiful okay. view, nice wide open studio, but no place to put the art except to put them up against the corner. And so there was no inspiration. And now here, I'm just, uh, I've got two dozen different 
pieces of art that I'm, I'm anxious to do. And uh, it, it's just wonderful to have that inspiration, thanks to the art gallery. And we look forward to it every month. We do. Yeah, and, and to have the, uh, the totally changing themes every month. It's very inspiring. It, it, it forces, forces me to, to rethink and to, yes. to reanalyze. And I'm sure you're the same way, Rochelle, is that you have, a, with that being the theme this month, I had to kind of rethink about what, I'm going to, what right. I might be doing and, and to come up with brand new approaches that you wouldn't have thought of otherwise. Right. Oh, yeah, I've painted things that would never even been my mind just because I want to. You know, and I, I actually really love the themes because it, creates, it, it makes me think of things in a different way. So it's not just my art, but then I get to be creative of what am I actually going to put there? How, am I, how do I interpret mm -hmm. these three or four or five words that, that make up the theme title? So that's just a whole other thing is, is learning. I, I wasn't a figure painter, and I've done a couple of those this year for themes. And so, yeah, it's, it's broadened it. And it kind of made me realize I really like doing figures. I, I think the themes are really fun. Like the gallery has their exhibition themes all set for next year, for the whole year for 23. And when, I, when the list first came out, you scanned through the, 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 uh, the 10 different themes that they would be having. And a couple of them just immediately popped out. I got, I got an idea that I always wanted to do for that. And then it was just kind of fun. Just Subsequently now, there have been three other themes that have developed in my mind that not only that I can do, but that I'm anxious to do. And that just means an awful lot to, to have the enthusiasm going into doing a painting. And I'm, I'm doing it for myself, but it's because of the gallery that I have the inspiration. Right. And that means an awful lot. Uh, kind of lot. a purpose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how long does it take you to do a painting? Just kind of ish. I never keep track of the, the time. And it could be anywhere from one week to two months. Right. That's so, kind of how I am. Yeah. <laughs> it takes me a long time. And I get asked that question probably more than any other question. <laughs> Rather than, you know, how long did it take you to do that painting? I'm just trying to figure out how much, how much per hour is this guy making on this painting? <laughs> <laughs> Mine's well, about two cents. <laughs> well, if I'm lucky, if I get minimum wage on a painting, yes. I'm doing pretty good, I think so. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Which is fine. <laughs> I have another question along with the idea of the themes and just how many awards that you've won. Because I, I, so I've been with Gallery about eight years. And I think every competition that I've seen, you've won something. And they're usually the top prizes. What does your pile of ribbons look like? I, uh, well, <laughs> it's got to be huge. I, I, keep, I keep the ribbons with the painting. Oh, do you? That I've okay. Done. So, okay. So if a person buys the painting, they get the ribbon with it. Because oh. I, I, I feel yeah. they, should, they should be paired okay. permanently that way. So, so, so I don't know how many of that, that I've won. And, and it, it doesn't. The recognition is fine. Again, I'm, I'm doing it for myself to have some, someone outside of myself give any kind of recognition for it right. is very rewarding. Right. And that means an awful lot to me. Sure. So. Shows that they appreciate it. You mentioned Lake Tahoe. And you also mentioned in your bio landscaping. Want to tie in Lake Tahoe and landscaping and landscaping and art? Well... Part of my passion of, even when I lived in Minnesota, but especially at Lake Tahoe, was the, the outdoors and to, to treat uh, landscaping as an art form for planting trees. And uh, I, I guess I, I figured out that I, I probably planted 11,000 trees in my lifetime. 
and t to the, the care of raising a tree and to see it grow and prosper, there is a lot of self-satisfaction in that as one gets in creating a painting and to have that develop and to stop. And if you finish with the final product, Mother Nature does much better than I can ever do. <laughs> and there's a lot of satisfaction with that. When I had, that, had my biography written up by, by this uh, journalist friend of mine, and she included that, that landscaping part and uh, because that impressed her that, that I was carrying my artwork from, from not only on the canvas, but in, in nature too. And I was kind of touched by that, so. That's really cool. I know that you have a son who is also an artist, is that right? Yes. So tell he's us about living, him. He's living in Philadelphia now, and he's a member of the art gallery. And uh, I'm so pleased and proud that he has maintained an interest in art and has the, he's smart enough not to try to do it for a living. Okay. So <laughs> I'm thankful for that. But he, he's pursuing it as a hobby and he's been, uh, he's won several ribbons and, and uh, including Best of Show one, one year. And uh, uh, it, it's just really, it's really just super that he made, he has, he has won all ready that he sent to me now for the uh, for the lucky 13 small arts competition that he'll be entering and I'll, I'll have a couple for that too so I'm just really pleased to have that that he's carrying on a little bit of the painting tradition exactly so. that's what I was just going to say <laughs> yeah. I think it, it feels good when you inspire anybody but especially a child yeah and, and, and it's really fun to talk to to him about that as it is with you too we could sit down and you know, we have like a one-hour podcast or whatever it is here, but we could sit down and talk for 12 hours straight okay. about art <laughs> like, and not run out of enthusiasm or subject matter because it's it's what our it's what's important to us, and it's what it makes what what makes us go. It does and keeps us going. It does. Do you know? I think about it continually. If I'm driving before I go to sleep, it's always in my mind. I'm always I have colors in my head. I'm painting. I crave just with my brush in my hand, just mm -hmm. putting paint on canvas, whatever that is. Well, but it, it's and, all I think about. And, and the the colorful the colorfulness of your paintings is is part of the the charm and the beauty and and the enthusi your enthusiasm comes out through your paintings. It does. And and when when you can have that kind of image, that means an awful lot. Oh, where, where you're trying to say something, you want to express something, you want to uh, show what's on your mind, and if you can have that come through the paintings, which you have done successfully, oh, well, and you. you have through your your photographs too, that that means an awful lot because then then you've achieved not only not only satisfying yourself, but the public that you're you're doing the work for. Right. So and and thank you for it. But nothing can come to putting a smile on a face <laughs> except seeing one or her. <laughs> her My bright. Sometimes I feel like they're garish. <laughs> that is but so true. Do you know what's interesting with me and um, is that I do feel like I'm, I, I say neutral color blind because I, when I start a painting, sometimes I'll think, okay, well, so I want to do some for my mom. She's very, she likes the neutrals. And tried several times to make something for her to hang in their home. 
start with a neutral and nope that doesn't look right and it's not that I'm saying to myself oh it, I need to do color it just happens and I try you know with different browns and and it just looks icky and so then I find myself just color 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 and then I, when it's you know at the end I'll show them to her and she'll say oh you know great but <laughs> you know what I mean and so I, I think mine is just that's what looks good to me and maybe I'm sure all artists feel like that that this is what comes out. It's, I'm not choosing to be super bright, but that's how they end up because that's what looks good to my eye. Well, part of the charm in doing a, a painting is that you can start out with a preconceived image in your mind about what you might want to do. And sometimes, not often, but sometimes it'll carry through just as you might have planned. Right. But more often than not, you'll start one way. Well, maybe if I, if I do this over here, I could try that, and then if that works or doesn't work, that'll lead to something else happening over here, and pretty soon the, the painting might be completely different from right. what you started out to right. do. Now, when that happens with you, do you get frustrated? Sometimes I get frustrated with myself, and I think, okay, a better artist would have been able to take that image from their brain and make that happen on a canvas, and, and a lot of times that doesn't happen. <laughs> so do you have that, and does it frustrate you, or do you just say, rare, look, look where it turned out? Rarely. Okay. I have done there have been cases, occasions where I've had something in my mind and put it out there and just have it work out just as I planned to do. And that would be one of those one-week paintings. And how did that happen? Oh, and it feels so good, I bet. <laughs> but but the, the really frustrating part, and maybe this has happened to you, you start a painting and it's coming along okay, and then you, you try something, oh, hey, that's coming along even better. Mm -hmm. Oh, hey, if I try this, hey, that's even better. <laughs> and what if I try this? And then, oops, <laughs> oh, yeah. and then you, you're going backwards. And then right. it, you never capture what you, what you had earlier. And that is a frustrating part. Well, and I lose my enthusiasm for, for that. Whatever I had in my mind, if I try it and it doesn't work, then I, I, I think I get frustrated. I put it to the side. And a lot, not, this doesn't always happen, but a lot of times I think, well, nope, that wasn't, that's just not going to happen, whatever that was. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I can keep my enthusiasm enough to, to try it again. Which reminds me of another question, because I struggle with this. Do you have any that you just abandon and put in the corner? And Sometimes I, I have a lot, actually, but I sometimes can come back to them and, and start feeling like, oh, this I remember what I wanted for this, and maybe now that I, I can see it better for whatever reason and, and redo. But do you have a lot of those, or are you pretty, do you, do you finish? Hey. I have a lot of start and stops. Do you have those, or do you just plow through? I'm wondering if you had a, a sneaky, candid camera at my house, because that's exactly <laughs> what's happening right now. <laughs> this was a painting that I, I did, gosh, I see that, that'd be like 25 years ago. Uh, I had sold a painting of a, of a Viking ship in, uh, in a sunset, and this, this, this fellow gave me a call. He was from out of town. And he said, uh, I, I sure would like to buy that painting. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, it's sold. And he said, oh, rats. He says, I'm coming to town. I really wanted to have that. And so uh, I said, well, but I could paint another one, but not like that. I, I, don't, I don't do duplicates, but I could paint a similar one to that. And he said, okay, well, that's fine. I'll, I'll be coming into town in two weeks. And so he came in. And he take, came in, he saw the painting, and he said, well, that's, that's kind of nice. He said, but I like this one over here better. So he ended up buying another painting, and I was stuck with this duplicate painting sure. for like 25 years. 
until last week. <laughs> I saw it sitting over in the corner there, and I say, well, you know, that, it isn't all that bad. I haven't shown it anywhere. So I just I took it, and actually I, I trimmed the, it was done on masonite. So I, I, I cut the board in about half, and so I'm having half half of the painting what I had done originally, and I'm just finishing that up now. So oh, I bet that feels great. <laughs> it, yeah, so it's a a 25 year long painting adventure. I mean, my longest painting, <laughs> not my best painting, but my longest painting anyway. So. So wow, that, and Rochelle, you call that, what do you call it? You go shopping in your basement? Yeah, so I have... Um, but you I don't have, have anything 25 years. I don't. <laughs> but yeah, I have an unfinished basement, and a pretty large unfinished basement. And that's where I, you know, I store my unpainted canvases, but then every all my starts and stops. And I get, I'll get frustrated, and I just put them down there. And then, yeah, I've, it probably takes at least two months for me to now look at it with, with fresh eyes and see... Um, oh my gosh, you know, this this is so off, this doesn't even make sense, or these colors clash, or whatever that maybe I was frustrated about that made it down to the basement. Mm-hmm. And, and and a lot of times I've had, it feels good to be able to take something that was a frustration and see it with new eyes and put it on my easel and actually maybe make something of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, to look at something with, through fresh eyes is really important. It is. Sometimes it can just be overnight or yes. a day or two you yes. can do something and not totally sure it's working and look at the next day and you might like it better or you might say well I don't like it but I could I could try this right. and then you might be able to salvage sure. something really worthwhile out of something that you thought might not that might not have been working right but it could turn out to be okay <laughs> one thing I have and maybe everyone does and I'll use an example of um, maybe doing a portrait. I'll do, if I do one and I think, okay, it's working, it's working, I think it's okay. And then a day or two later, I look at it and it's weird. You know, when I thought it was okay, I'll stare and everything looks great. The eyes are great, blah, blah, blah. And then two or three days later, I look at it. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're crooked. They're not even the same size. Or And it's interesting to me, and maybe it's just because we stare at it for so long that we don't see those. But I find that fascinating sometimes when I do look at older artwork. And how did I miss that? Mm-hmm. Do you ever have those? Oh, yeah, where... all the time. What, what I find helpful for me, especially with you know, being blind in one eye, I don't have the, the three dimension. So uh, I don't get a true as true a perspective as I should. But I found that what's helpful for me is if I take, if I get a painting and I think it's done, I'll take a, a picture of it and then transfer it to my computer. And then on the computer screen, just because it's a different size mm-hmm. and it'll get a, a straight angle at it, then I can, I can see things that I did that I didn't see or wouldn't appreciate or things that I can improve. And almost always there's there's things that I'll see that I'll want to change on the, on the painting, right. the original. So it's good to go back that way. It so is. It's like, it's like having somebody else in the room there to get their opinion. Exactly. Without being insulted. Right. <laughs> I have a good husband for that because he'll say, are you, are you ready for comments? I'll say, nope. And then the next day, are you ready for comments? Nope. We've gotten there because we had yeah. some bad times where he'd come and say, what is that? Or, you know, and so I always just say, nope. And my kids will want to come make comments. And I say, and then all of a sudden I'll get to a point where it's like, everyone come in, point it out, whatever. I'm going to be tough. Y'all ready say, for yes. Good for you. <laughs> One thing too, that I find, I haven't, there's the mirror trick 
where you can go, um, you know, take a painting into the, to a mirror, like a bathroom mirror, and so you see it reversed. And a lot of times you can see, oh, my gosh, the, right. the mm-hmm. problems are just glaring. Another one that I do is I turn my paintings upside down, and I'll try, especially if I'm struggling with a proportion or something like that, I'll turn, if I have a reference inf- mm-hmm. uh, photo, I'll turn that upside down. And, and it's amazing what you can see that, that way, too. That's a real good way to do it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And any anything like that is... It's like having another person's opinion of your work, and that uh, that other person's opinion can be yourself. Sure. Just by having a different view or different approach to it, and the potential of trying something different that you wouldn't have thought of originally. Right. Yeah, and that's part of the excite, real exciting part about it. Right. See, and I think a lot with my art is. And I've mentioned this several times in our podcast, but I don't like to watch instructional videos or anything because I want to figure it out myself. And I think that's what, something that I enjoy more than anything yeah. is trying and messing mm-hmm. up, trying. And, and then all of a sudden I'll discover something. Like if I glaze this color over this clear, oh my gosh, you know, what a, an amazing discovery, which of course probably everybody else knows out there, but it feels so good to to find it and figure it out myself. That echoes my feeling completely too, is that I... I could not give instructions to somebody else because I literally have every painting have its own course. Right. For, I, I, won't, I won't start a paint well, outside of doing a rough background mm-hmm. of every painting first. Outside of that, I, I never know for sure which, what approach I'm going to take on it. Right. And that's part of the charm and the, charm and the challenge. Exactly. Well, and I've had people ask if I would teach them to paint. And I think, well, who am I? I don't, I'm just me. I don't know anything. And, and I know in my head I would be saying, well, this is how I do it. This is how I do it. I don't know how exactly you're supposed to do it. This, but this is how I do it. And I think that's how I would teach a class by ten, every other minute saying, well, you don't have to do it that way. This is how I do it. Because but. what you and I are both saying is that we're teaching ourselves exactly every day, and, and we're we're learning we're learning from our own teacher self. Maybe not sure of what we're doing, but we're learning in the process. Right, and I think when I am trying doing trial and errors and I mess up and have to do it ten different times. That gets downloaded on my hard drive, you know, and if I just watched a YouTube video for 15 minutes, I'm not going to remember that technique where if I have to struggle in clouds and over and over and over, well, the next time I go to do clouds, I'm probably going to remember this is what I did and mm-hmm. this is where I struggled, this is the brush I use. I think we remember more when we are learning it for ourselves. No, and, and clouds are such a perfect example of that is that it was one of the, the more tricky parts of nature to be intimidated about early on in life and when you do it a few hundred times then you, you have your own way of doing it and the uh, the joy of seeing clouds come to life is about right. it, as in self-satisfying as as any part of painting and, and yeah. nature yes so. and I think it's a huge subject you see all kinds of different videos and tutorials about just clouds because I think they are tricky and one thing that I like though that I find myself doing now is 
when you really study a cloud, you don't ever think about the, the depth of them and the, and the low lights. We all think of bright white clouds. No, they're mostly different, other different colors. I think it's neat that when you really have to study a subject, how much you learn about that subject that we probably take for granted. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, in doing clouds, it's usually a question, you have a blue sky and you have white clouds. So I'll just use blue paint and white paint. Right. It doesn't work that it way. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> no, there's you, no depth. <laughs> you, can, you can literally take every color on your, uh, that you have in front of you and then work it with white, and, and it'll yep. work in the clouds eventually. Yep. Yep. You might have to keep working at it. But, you do. But to have all of, as, put as many colors as you can in the cloud, that, mm-hmm. that's part of the real charm of it. It is, yep. <laughs> kind of back to what we were talking about just a minute ago as far as basically being our own critic. Do you, do you struggle with that? Has, I mean, you've had a, a career in art. Have you ever struggled during different parts of it as far as maybe insecurities or criticizing your own self? Or, or have you made friends with that? Are you, are you harsh? I have a pretty nasty inner critic sometimes. I'm getting over that. I'm getting stronger as far as being able to let mediocre or negative comments just kind of roll off. I think it takes a while. I don't know. Well, I, no, I really don't... Uh... I guess I'm old enough now, or I, I don't worry about it. That's a beautiful place to be. Well, <laughs> I love that. His, his critic is retired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, because if, if someone, because I don't like every piece of art that I see. I like some better than others. I, I appreciate everybody trying to do art, but if I don't like a piece of art, I don't feel embarrassed about it. I did still, some art I like better than others. And if people look at my art, and, and if they feel that way too, well, that, that's their privilege. Right. So, you know, to each his own. And it's just, I just really think it's important for the artists themselves not to feel, not to be intimidated about it and to keep doing what they want to do mm-hmm. and to express themselves in their own way. And if, if they're satisfied with, with what they've done, then it's a winner. Right. I, I love that you said that. Because that's really the best you can hope for, I think. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people paint for with other people in mind. And I think my times that I've done that, I get very frustrated. I actually don't want to work on it. And I have that person kind of over my shoulder watching everything I'm doing in my mind. And uh, I think the times that I can move past that, especially if I'm not painting for a specific purpose, when I'm just painting for me, then lighthearted in my mind and so yeah I think I'm still kind of developing and I'm sure you've had so many successes and so I think that would definitely probably help dampen that critic as well. Well well, part of the danger of doing commissions is that you're not entirely painting for yourself is that you've got to I think I'd like to try this over here but maybe maybe they won't like it. So maybe I shouldn't do that. Yep. So you're intimidating yourself yep. when you do a commission. So I, I, I really much so much prefer just to paint for myself if I possibly can. Yes. That was actually a question I wrote down is, how do you feel about commissions? I've, I've tried a few and people will say, I, w- I like the bright, but I want it to be water or I want it to be Italy. And, it's, and you know, that's great. That'd be fun, but I've never done, that's not my direction mm-hmm. that I've taken with things. And it actually stresses me out, I have to say. Yeah, if you're not comfortable trying it in the first place, you shouldn't do it. Right. If you want to take it as a challenge or as a as a favor that you're willing to do, but you shouldn't be going into it with the idea of, I really don't want to do this work. Right. 
it, it, that's almost doomed for failure. Right. If then that's it's the drudgery. Case. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. But I think we have to be happy to create something beautiful. I think that, if we're dreading it and it becomes a job, then mm-hmm. yeah, then our soul's not in there. Well, on those few times you can get, get something done and you finish it, and you say, "Now that's about as good as I could possibly do." It doesn't happen very often, but it when it when, when you have that point where you've really been proud of something, that means an awful lot. It does. It's like having a proud of your children. Exactly. <laughs> yes. I did that. (laughs) (laughs) Who is your favorite artist? Well, my favorite master artist would certainly be Vincent van Gogh. Uh, Just for the, the total freedom and expressiveness that he did, and his use of color, and the struggle of his life, yes. it, it, just, it, it all becomes incorporated so much into, into his work, and uh, that he, he continued with it, the drive of continually wanting to paint, the needing to paint, having to paint, and to have sold a total of one painting right. in his whole life. And yet, that, that was his whole life. I mean, that is just such total admiration for that. And I think and he's my, one of the my, my current contemporary artist would be a French artist by the name of uh, Francois Neely. And she does really wild impressionistic paintings, almost always portraits, but she uses just she uses uh, Rochelle Knight colors <laughs> in doing paintings of, of, of faces, and, and they're just they're they're magnificent because they're so wild that I just it, it's the kind of art that I would especially with failing vision, and I'm not going to be able to do details like I once wanted to do. So I would like to be able to have that kind of freedom of color and expression to be doing. We've actually talked about that in a couple of our podcasts that you hear a lot of artists say, if you're saying, okay, what could you improve or what would you change or what direction do you want to go? I've heard so many people say, I want to be freer with my art. And I know I get bogged down in the details. That's where I think a lot of my frustration comes from. But on the days where I just get excited, I don't care what it's going to look like, and I just start putting paint down. And they're not perfect strokes. They're an ish. Like, okay, a shadow needs to be here. It doesn't have to be perfect. I think that's fun. And I think it's amazing the people who can do it, and then they stop. And they say, okay, you can tell that what this is. It's a face. It's got the colors blocked in, but it's not perfect. And I think that's a, I think we all maybe aspire to that. I, I think that that would be a great feeling to be able to do it a little, I don't want to say messy, but it kind of has a messier feel. And then stop and say, okay, this is it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think it's and, a and p- Part of my excuse or hang up has been for being a commercial artist for half of my life where everything had to be so detailed. I mean, I had to be working within a, uh, one one sixtieth fourth of an inch exactness. Right. The line had to be exactly right. I had to have the uh, the pattern exactly mm-hmm. done a certain way. And so when I went over to painting, part of that sure. uh, hand, almost handicap right. is that I don't always have to be having it right down to that precise amount. If I can loosen up a bit, 
it would be better for me and it would be better for the painting. Right. And so I'm still trying to evolve more. Right. Still <laughs> learning. Yeah. Yep. I might only have another 30 years or so to go, so I got a, I still have room for experimentation. Yes, so. you do. Every day. <laughs> One of my last questions is, do you have any tips or tricks that you'd like to share? Any tips? Uh-huh. Tips or tricks? Or even just advice as far as starting artists just or anything? Just to, for anybody that has an interest in painting or creating, a, whether it be pottery or photography or sculpture, if you have the urge to do it, do it. Right. I, I mean, that. don't don't feel held back. Well, I'm not sure if I if I if I'm capable of doing it. I don't really know if I want. If you have, if you think you might want to do it, you should do it. Yep, try it. Yeah. And even if you just want to keep it private, I think a lot of people, again, with that critic, they think, oh, I couldn't show this, or I don't want to hang it up, or, you know what I mean? And that's great. Just do it in the privacy of your home. Don't show anyone. Mm -hmm. And you'll eventually probably get to the point where you're excited and you want to share it. And you'll be satisfied because you tried something and you did it. And it's like, why did you climb Mount Everest? Because it was there. Exactly. Well, why did you do this painting? Because I had this black canvas in front of me. Right. And it had to come out. Yeah. <laughs> Well, before we go on to, to the last question, I just wanted to say what an inspiration that you are. And I think you're so well known in this community and, and I think you have inspired so many people and you're so recognizable. I think anyone who walks into the gallery knows there's Floyds, there's Floyds. And I, I also admire that you were able to make art a career. I think, I don't know that I've known very many people, maybe none, that have been successful at from from the beginning of when they needed a job, they started in art and they continued on. So I think that's just a huge well, applause to you that, well, that you've been you. able to do that. Thank you, Rochelle. And the thing is, I think all of the artists at the art gallery are inspirations to each other sure. because we we feed on on each other's enthusiasm and desire and the creativity and the and the joy. That, that we that we've had in our own lives and experiences and when we when we can share something that was it, it's been so important to us with others mm -hmm. that have done the same thing that means an awful lot it does so their satisfaction is transferred in into your own lives mm -hmm. for your own satisfaction so it becomes a, a winning arrangement all around yes <laughs> speaking of tips and tricks listening to you two I'm amazed you just gave out three free tips and tricks earlier. <laughs> Floyd's is to take a picture of it and look at it on the computer screen. And Rochelle, yours was turn it upside down. <laughs> cool, I've never heard that before. And look at it in a mirror. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's amazing when you do it. You should try it maybe even with a photograph and so just well, see how it changes it. So the, I guess we've come up with, with the secret of art. Take a picture of it Hold it up to a mirror on your on your computer screen. Yeah, do, do all three of them together. We <laughs> finally time? we finally succeeded in solving the mystery of art exactly. between the three of us here. So, well, you know what? I really have a great idea. You two don't enter anything anymore in any of these exhibitions. Just let me take a picture of your art, <laughs> and I'll enter it, <laughs> and I'll turn it upside down. <laughs> but look at it on, on the computer screen first. Yes. <laughs> that's right. Hey, that's guys in the wrong place. It was taken in Australia. <laughs> Very good. So anyway, my last question. Uh, if you could go back in the art world for a moment, 
and look at something and see something happening, where would you go? Well, that's such an interesting question because I think the answer would be different at different points of my life. Uh, when I started out as a cartoonist, I would have loved to have been a syndicated cartoonist in New York City doing cartoons. Later in life, when I first started out doing paintings, uh, I, I just I was such an uh, admirer of of Leroy Neiman, and, and to do that the wild impressionistic art, you know, you know that was my image. And now here at this stage of my life, I I, I look back at a total picture of my whole life, and I go back to Vincent Van Gogh. And I think in terms about how fascinating it would be back with the French Impressionists to be so on the verge of doing art like had never been done before. And so many different artists going in their own way of, of trying out different things. That is the, the fascination. I, I might not have been as lucky as, as Vincent to have sold one painting in his lifetime, <laughs> but that would have been an absolute fantastic period of of art to have lived in. Yeah, they were making huge jumps and uh, and leaps as far as different movements and uh, coming up with different techniques and, and sharing those with each other. And uh, yeah, I think that's well. Really cool. And since I since I don't have that, the second best thing would probably be living in Mesquite and having the Mesquite art gallery. So. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> we love our little gallery. We do. Yeah. Well, Floyd, thank you. It was an honor for you to come in today. Well, and it was a pleasure. It was my pleasure. And thank you very much. And have a chance to share to talk genuine art for an hour or an hour plus here. That, that's been an absolute pleasure. It has been. This has been really fun. And, and the, the pleasure is mine to listen to you talk. You too. It's just, there's two artists. <laughs> I'm no artist. Well, and I think we share so many similar thoughts and feelings towards it. It's, it's fun to to go back and forth when I think we both see eye to eye so much. I think that's made it even funner. All right, Floyd, thank you very much. Well, I thank you very much and all the best to you both. And, and hope we'll, we'll have you back here again. Well, thanks for having me. <laughs>
I did a lot of work, though, for the Witches' Ball that's coming up on October 20th, I believe. Part of it entailed a little bit of painting, and I'm not going to say much about that because the decorations are going to be really cool and a surprise, so I'm not going to give too many details. Anyway, I didn't want to spend a ton on new supplies, and so I bought some more just student-grade paint and brushes, just black and white, and spent a lot of time painting. It was, it was a struggle and it made me realize how lucky I am to have these wonderful paints and how much they really do improve my art to have just these great, thick, really high pigmented paint. paint. And they are expensive. Now I really know a difference. I have years using this nicer stuff and then going back to stuff that I actually used when I was first painting. Uh, it was it was kind of eye-opening and it was neat. And, and I, I think... All of us do that when we start a new hobby. We don't want to spend a ton of money because we don't know if we'll stick with it or if we'll like it. This is one of those times that I think if people started with nicer paint, I think they would have better success. They would, wouldn't get so frustrated. With the lower end paints, you have to paint over and over and over to get any coverage and to get any color show up. And even just the texture is kind of funky. So anyway, long story short, I was very excited to get back to my studio and have my beautiful colors and my nice brushes. And so I was inspired just to put some paint on canvas this week and it, uh, it feels really good. Cool deal. Good to have you back. Hey, thanks. Good to be back. And that's it for this week. Yes. Bye, everybody. See ya. Broadcasting from Mesquite, Nevada, in the scenic Mojave Desert, the Art Box sponsors thank you for listening. To find our next and past podcasts, visit us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com.